0: Uh, forward now for the first reading. Uh, today's reading is from the Psalm 119, and you're going to find it with me today. We're going to read it responsively in this green hymnal. So if you'll pull those green hymnals out and turn to page 276 at the beginning there of the green hymnal, and we'll read responsively. This morning from uh, the 119th Psalm starting in verse 105 and going to verse 112. You'll see it there, 105, verse 105 on the bottom right of page 276. I'll read up to the asterisk and you'll read after the, at the indent. Your word is a lantern to my feet and a light upon my path. I have sworn and am determined. I am deeply troubled. Preserve my life, O Lord, according to Your Word. Accept, O Lord, the willing tribute of my lips and teach me at rejoice. My life is always in my hand, yet I do not let... The wicked have set a trap for me, but I have not strayed from your commands. Your decrees are my inheritance forever. Truly they are the joy of my heart. I have applied my heart to fulfill your statutes forever. Amen. Our second... Reading today is from Second Timothy as we continue in the sermon series in Second Timothy chapter 3. Uh, God meets us in baptism and he meets us daily in his word. And we come to that word now as we continue in this second reading, starting in the first verse. You must understand this, that in the last days, distressing times will come. For people will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, inhuman, implacable slanders, profligates, brutes, haters of good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than the lovers of God, holding to the outward form of godliness but denying its power. Then verse 10, now you have observed my teaching, my conduct, my aim in life, my faith, my patience, my love, my steadfastness, my persecutions and sufferings, the things that happened to me in Antioch, Iconium, and Lystra. What persecutions I endured, yet the Lord rescued me from all of them. Indeed, all who want to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted, but the wicked people, impostors, will go from bad to worse, deceiving others. And being deceived. But as for you, continue what you have learned and firmly believed, knowing from whom you learned it, and how from childhood you have known the sacred writings that are able to instruct you for salvation through faith in Christ Jesus. All scripture is inspired by God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. So that everyone who belongs to God may be proficient and equipped for every good work. The Word of the Lord. The Scripture today gives us a warning. One translation says, But mark this. Another says, Understand this. Know this. There will be terrible or dangerous times in the last days. The last days are from when Christ came the first time until he comes again. So Paul is speaking to Timothy in the last days. And you and I, we are still living in them. And Paul uses a Greek word to emphasize his passion. He is fired up here in chapter 3. And he wants us to know it. He uses the word chalepos, which means fierce or hard to bear. And in classical Greek, it later gets used to describe a dangerous or wild animal or the raging, raging sea. This is serious. These last days, in between when Christ came until he comes again, as Luther calls them, are dreadful and burdensome. Aren't you just feeling good right now? These are difficult days and it is not hard to find one it's not hard to think of days that are terrible this just this past week we remembered one of them this last tuesday on september 11th we remembered anew the events of 9/11 2001 i bet like me you probably remembered precisely where you were when that first plane hit i was in an airport terminal And I remember looking around at uh, the fellow passengers there in the terminal transfixed by what we were seeing unfold as that first plane hit on the screen. And then as it dawned on us what was going on, people pulling out their flip phones and calling uh, friends and loved ones in New York and then later D.C. I remember how I felt and the heartache that I felt. And even beyond that heartache of the false teaching and the false religion that was being purported as godliness. This last Tuesday, I remembered anew the heroes. The heroes that cut through that darkness. You know, the sacrifice that they made. They ran up the stairs, they went into the rubble, and some of them never came out. And so as we remember 9-11, we can't help but remember the heartache, but then what cuts through that are the heroes, the heroes who humble us by their amazing sacrifice. We dare not forget the legacy of that sacrifice, and we dare not forget the truth of what they've done, but as you capture some of that emotion, I want you to Understand that Paul, in his letter to Timothy, in the work that the Holy Spirit is doing, bringing to us today, wants us to capture some of that same dichotomy of heartache to hero, heartache to hero. In fact, one of the words that is used in Greek in these first five verses, as we hear these vices of eighteen vices of false teaching and false living and a false way of following christ it's really the word disobedience is really translated from the greek word that means heartache and what pierces through that heartache is christ's sacrifice so we dare not forget the sacrifice of heroes that we know here on this earth and we dare not forget and fail to remember the sacrifice the greater sacrifice of christ that cuts through our heartache and so we get two lists in this chapter three. The first is of a false teaching and pagan living of which we know the consequences of. Bring about days like 9-11, but not just on the grander scale. When we don't live for Christ and we live for ourselves, it breaks apart our families and destroys the very fabric of our own personal lives as well. And so then we get this second list at the end of the chapter that gives us a new way of living, inspired the very breath of God. Our hero is Christ and He cuts through the heartache. And He invites us to cut through that heartache by encountering His Word. So we dare not lose sight of His Word. We dare not forget Verse 14 says, but as for you, Timothy, but really it's as for you, faith Lutheran, continue in what you have learned. We dare not forget and be hum- are humbled by what God has done. And this text, by the way, isn't just a warning about false religion It's a warning against corruption in the church of God that this false teaching that takes the form of godliness but rejects its power, that power which is Christ, the word made flesh and dwelt among us. We certainly should not cheapen the sacrifice of those who gave their lives for us. And we should never cheapen the greater sacrifice of Christ by forgetting his word. And so it's brought to us anew. Just like it was 501 years ago when the Reformation began in October of that year. Sola Scriptura. The Word alone was the Reformation cry to bring us back to the Word made flesh. The Word that brings life. Luther said when he talked about that Reformation, I did nothing, but the Word does everything. So for... What we hear in this text in verse 12 says, for what we've learned and what we've been convinced of, one translation says, let's pause on that word convince. This word is convincing. As God breathed life into the universe, we see evidence of it in His creation. We see information in our DNA and everywhere. That information, that information we know always comes From intellect. Information always comes from intellect. And so we see in creation the evidence for God's Word coming forth. We see it in the Word itself. I like how Eric Metaxas pointed out in a recent interview that uh, I watched uh, that the Scriptures, since we've gotten the Dead Sea Scrolls, we can now lay False to the claims that, oh, this idea that Jesus was just later by the monks called uh, God is completely false. Because now we know that the early, early texts, 2,000-year-old scrolls confirm the very words that we have here. And not just words, in most cases, to the very letter. The same text that we hold today. The same text that I, you know, we all have our favorite Bibles. This is my childhood Bible. This was my, uh, it was a living translation. RSV was my confirmation Bible. Then this is my favorite Bible right now, the ESV. But, you know, in college I had another one. You know, I had this one in college, an NIV. And then uh, later we needed to see multiple translations before we had the Internet. So we had to look at multiple translations at once. These are a couple books, have a couple different translations, but not the whole Bible because it's not as big as the Internet, right? And then uh, I got... Recently, someone, a publisher gave me the Jesus-centered Bible. By the way, if you're reading a Bible that's not Jesus-centered, you're not reading the Bible. All right? Okay? This is the Greek text of the New Testament. It doesn't matter which translation you read. Friends, you can be convinced that this is the Word of God. And we need to read it and be transformed by it. This is the Word of God and we can be convinced archaeologically now. We can be convinced from the witness of creation. We can be convinced that this Word that breathes life into us at the beginning breathes life into us now. Of course, Paul, when he was talking about this being the the all scriptures inspired by God, he was talking mostly about the Old Testament. But we also know that Peter was already calling Paul's letters scripture. You can read in Second Peter chapter three when he does that. So we are convinced by general revelation. We're convinced by the witness of the resurrection that they had seen these writers we were convinced by the word well-kept and by the testimony of faithful witnesses like those two amazing women, Lois and Eunice, who bore the faith to Timothy. By the way, I don't know about you, I'm grateful for the people who bore this faith in my life. I don't know if I have any one person at the level of Eunice or, 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 or Lois, but I do have a lot of imperfect people who proclaimed the perfect truth in my life. And so now I can, and so can you. And if you don't have that family member or friend or loved one who's been that person in your life, God is saying to you, you can be that person to someone else to be a witness, an imperfect witness of this perfect truth. So God's word is faithful. And he has been at work in us And through us and bringing it to us, we can be convinced that this word is true. You've heard of false news lately, right? Fake news. Well, these are your ultimate fact checkers right here. Better than Snopes. This is the final authority for us in Christ, our ultimate authority. And what's the opposite of that list that we get at the beginning of this chapter? As we get in verse 16, I like how John Piper calls it a progression of, uh, of reproof. Stop what you're doing. What you're doing is leading to death. Stop it. Correction. Here, let me get you back into the guardrails of truth. And then training in righteousness. Daily discipleship of following Christ. And so we get back into the guardrails of truth as we guard the good deposit, as we guard our hearts, and we guard this truth because it is from God. I'll end with this story. Dr. William Evans was a a well-known professor and preacher in his day. And in his retirement, he would sometimes fill in for his son, who is also a preacher. Dr. Evans was known for having the whole Bible from Genesis to Revelation memorized in King James. And just for good measure, he memorized the New Testament and American Standard Version as well. The word was on his heart. And when he preached on one unforgettable day, and he began, and I'm not going to do this here, but he started reading passages. He said, Oh, you don't like that? And he ripped it out, threw it up the pages on the floor. He said, Oh, you don't, you don't believe the miracles? Well, we'll just rip those out and throw those on the floor. And pretty soon he kept going, and people were stunned, and the, the, the floor was covered with pages from the Bible. And he said, All we have left now is the Sermon on the Mount. But of course, by this time, it's lost its power, right? We cannot abandon not one word of this truth. We can be convinced by the power of the Holy Spirit and by the hero who died for us to live by it and to be instructed by it. But as for you, continue in the words and the teaching that you have received. Don't rip one word of this truth out of your life. Allow the pages of life to be thrown like a veritable... Trash heap? No. Don't dare forget the greatest hero who laid his life down for you. Don't cheapen his word by forgetting it. Always remember, always read, always be reproved and corrected and trained to God's redemptive plan for your life. But as for you, continue in what you've learned, for all scripture is God breathed, inspired, yes. God and is useful for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness so that everyone who belongs to God in Christ Jesus may be proficient, equipped for every good work. Amen.